Hey listeners, this is Kate Fitzsimmons. I'd just like to apologize to you guys for some of the sound quality issues you're going to experience. One of the things we've learned is that it's very hard to buy audio equipment in a pandemic. Who knew? Thank you for bearing with us. Hopefully our shipment from B&H will make this all better in the near future. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Um, usually required at PW, but we're, uh, we're on pandemic lockdown and spread around New York City. Uh, I'm Calvin Reed, a senior news editor of Publishers Weekly, uh, co-editor of Publisher of PW Comics World, editor of The Fanatic. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can check us out on Twitter at, at comicsbeat. Uh, no. Heh. Okay. Let me start all over again. Three, two, one. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can find us on Twitter at, at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Simmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes. Uh, and on Facebook, we're at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. And don't forget... If you are listening to us in your bunker, please let us know if you like our podcast. Leave us a comment. Give us a rating. Give us some feedback. Tweet at us. Email us. Just let us know how we're doing. We love to hear from our loyal listeners and the best listeners on earth. Okay. Well, okay. Well, this is our special pandemic podcast. Uh, and if I may also invoke um, a, a, a tune of Sunrise, it's after the end of the world. Don't you know that yet? Um, a little grim humor for all our listeners out there, but obviously we will get through this some way, somehow. Uh, where do we begin? Um, well, I think we, you know, the last time we talked, we were also in lockdown. We were also separated. Yeah. Kate was still also on. You know, we apologize for the audio quality. We've had some technical issues, but I think we've, before we went on the air, we'd figured out how to, next time we're going to all sound so amazing. Yes. Uh, although we'll all be stark raving lunatics by then, because we'll have been inside for another yeah. two weeks. <clears throat> yeah. Listen, there's a little peek behind the curtain. It is really hard to buy audio equipment during a pandemic, man. <laughs> yes. It's hard. It is, and I also learned that it's hard to get the cable company to pick up when people all started working at home a week ago, and there's no, you know, like you have your cable went down. So, yes, we're learning to fend for ourselves, and uh, but we, you know, we are dowdy. But anyway, uh, a lot has happened in the world of comics. It's like every day is like a year. Every hour it changes. It seems, you know. Um, but this week, kind of the big shoe dropped, Calvin. Well, the big shoe, I assume you're talking about uh, Diamond Comics distributors um, uh, basically uh, shutting down the delivery of uh, weekly comics. Um, so that that's certainly a big view, uh, you know, a, a really a really big shoe, I should say. Um, uh, in many ways, and I'm bringing in, you know, my book world stuff here. I mean, I would say um, Diamond probably didn't have much choice. Um, I think, um, independent bookstores and certainly, um, comic shops, who, which in my view are essentially independent bookstores. Um, I mean, depending on where you are, you you, you may or may have your shop shut down, all of your employees, uh, laid off. Um, uh, I'm not sure 
many shops are prepared to accept new new product. Obviously, some shops are still open, but um, and I saw your story, Heidi. I think they uh-huh. seem to be as many retailers as not who were in some ways kind of relieved to not have to be. Um, yes, that packages. was that was generally. That I talked to a few retailers, and that was the general. Um, that was the general. Um, you know, you know, gist of it that they and and also they were you know they were set up to do orders. A lot of them are doing curbside pickup, and they say yes. that a lot of their customers are coming to do curbside pickup and yes. to do mail order, and they are selling. You know, the shops that were modernized and had mail order set up and had kind of you know better infrastructure are are hanging in there. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of them have tried to stay open, servicing their customers, but then. You know, and the, the the city tells them to to shut down, quite understandably. And um, you know, there's there's a, one chain of shops in Los Angeles. I should see if I could find it because it's actually kind of funny. But uh, the, they were trying to stay open, and um, you know, the city saw them selling comics and said, "You you gotta you gotta it's not an essential out. service." <laughs> yeah, you're not an essential service. Yes. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, says well, who? Yeah, right. I mean, you speak for yourself, right? Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, the other side of it on the books, uh, book selling side, um, um, and I, I think in our little meeting the other day, I talked about this. Um, uh, uh, independent bookstores are, are finding themselves, some can stay open if they have a cafe because they can, mm-hmm. if you were in New York City anyway, and, in, and, and this is going on in other parts where they're forced to shelter in place, you can stay open if you're a takeout or food of any kind. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got a cafe, they'll, they'll make you take your tables out. But uh, that has allowed some independent bookstores that have cafes to stay open, uh, and that way they can get, um, you know, people can do curbside pickup. People, And if you've got a cafe, people can come in and get a donut or coffee or a sandwich or whatever you're, offering as long as you don't stay in the store so some of the independent bookstores uh have been able to stay open and sell a few books as well as you know the Mm. odd takeout sandwich um i but you know i mean we're kind of hitting the trough right now um kate you were going to say something yeah what i was going to say is that um, a lot of those places which have been staying open now that they've been hit by and it's listeners you may not know this Diamond is not going to be um, shipping any new books for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even if someone is in an area where they haven't been told they need to shut down or they have mail order or they've got a plan in place for getting things, people curbside pick up, whatever, um, there's just not any new product to sell going forward. Yeah, but, that's but correct. they are. They are. He is going to continue to try and fulfill, I guess, essentially backlist. Materials, stuff that's already in the warehouse. Um, so they will, if, if you can accept, uh, I think direct shipment, um, there will be some product that they can ship, just won't be new comics. Yes, and I think there was a, you know, the, a lot of this is, um, I mean, they really had to do it. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. DC's printer in Canada has, transcontinental has been shut down, and, uh, two states, um, Diamonds warehouses were shut down, but they did have one open, which is where they said they would be shipping out some um, product. I believe I'm not I'm not sure now that that isn't shut down after the the first or um, 
So um, there's a lot of uncertainty and, you know, there's kind of a lack of clarity and it's very easy to get caught up in because, uh, you know, it's not exactly peak performance time. But yeah, you know, Diamond had to do it. Now, the word going around is that they've been, oh, Diamond has been laying off some people. I do not know specifically yeah. who it is. But um, I would say this kind of pause or interregnum, some people are calling it the interregnum, yeah. <laughs> uh, is affecting different people in different ways. I mean, I would say Dark Horse, Boom, Boom's been very aggressive talking about making everything returnable, but pretty much everybody has shut down their May product, okay? So nobody's going to be shipping anything for May because um, there there won't be any way for them to get it and they're, or print it or get it. Um, but yeah, Boom, Dynamite, IDW... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, image, image has been very aggressive in talking about yes. all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, Archie just came out with a statement today. Uh, I would say the, uh, the companies that have, we've heard the least from was Marvel, but Marvel has made a statement. They, they mm-hmm. did offer very deep discounts mm-hmm. on, uh, comics and they also have a, a little statement on their website telling people how to support comic shops. And they sent out a letter to their freelancers. Uh, the one company that nobody's heard from is DC Comics. And uh, they sent out a letter to their freelancers, but they have not made any outreach to retailers at this mm. point. And uh, people, boy, do I get a lot of comments about that. And, you know, my, Kevin, I'm sure you and Kate, my, you know, my DMs, it's like it's a full-time job just gossiping yeah. all day at home. Uh, <laughs> well, I reached out to DC too, and, I, and they did get back to me. But they, but they, the, their get back to me was that that they will get back to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will see. Um, but really, I mean, I, I mean, uh, to be fair, I mean, this is uncharted territory for everybody. How yeah. do you sell them to a market when nobody can leave their house? Um, uh, or even if they can leave their house, it's probably not a good idea to do it. Um, right. So it's. Very precarious situation. Um, uh, at the same time, um, this is almost the only way to deal with this unprecedented uh, virus and how yeah, it affects was, people. Yeah, I mean, oh, I was going to say, I also did an interview with Valiant and mm-hmm. um, with Fred Pierce, the publisher, and they have told their cre- a lot of their creators to put their pencils down, um, and that's pretty serious, yeah. you know. They're probably the most prominent company that we know has actually stopped production yeah. at this point. Um, but significantly, as far as I can tell, neither Marvel nor DC has told their creators to put pencils down. And uh, this has led to a lot of speculation. Now, now we're entering the uh, wavy, gravy zone yeah, yeah. here. This the is just rumors. The conspiracy and, zone? <laughs> well, that's just the rumor zone. Okay, the and, rumor zone. Uh, the rumor zone is, and the you know retailers are definitely talking about this, is uh, you, are Marvel DC going to go to digital uh, distribution? Now, uh, we don't really know what's going to happen next Wednesday on April 1st. There was a Star Wars comic that said it would be released digitally, but now uh, Marvel says that it's not being released digitally. And, um, so, uh, but then I hear conspiracy, you know, the, the longer DC says nothing, mm-hmm. the longer more people think that they're going to release their comics digitally. So yeah. that's about where that is. And also, Kate, I'm sure you'll love this. A lot of people are saying, man, if Dan DiDio was here, he'd have said something by now. 
Dan, yeah, would you like what he had to say? <laughs> so are we already missing Dan? Uh, <laughs> yes, some people are. There you some go. people are definitely missing Dan, yes. Uh, well, well, some I people mean, miss Dan all along. Well, I have, um, you know, I have spoken with um, a Boom, who mm-hmm. uh, basically said that they're basically re- reevaluating um all of their 2020 publishing. And my questions, the questions that I'm asking really is uh, uh, what's going to happen with author tours, promotions, um, mm. if you've scheduled stuff. Obviously, a lot of, of you know, all the festivals are in the near future uh, mm. have been uh, either postponed or canceled. But still, um, uh, the, no determinations or announcements have been made about what's, what you may do in place of that or, or what? Uh, right. So boom is, uh, um, Arun, uh, told me that they are, they're just re- reevaluating and they'll, they're going to make a statement when they really, you know, and to be fair, nobody really knows what's happening. Uh, I've right. also heard from, uh, Viz, um, who have said they so far are not making any changes to production. The books seem to be coming out on time. Uh, their books are being, dele- they're still getting books from, from printers and shipping the books out. Uh, mm-hmm. And their uh, official statement is that, that we have not made any changes to our release schedule, but we're monitoring the situation, the pandemic situation, closely. Uh, and, you know, we will make changes as necessary. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, talk with Terry Nantier at MBM. I mean, they had their big book coming out, Giant. Mm-hmm. Um, that, um, you know, they, in fact, they were going to do a big PR event at Rockefeller Center, uh, which, you know, the book is set there during the 1930s, during the building of it. Um, but everything's been canceled. They were doing it. They're yeah. going to do stuff in Mocha. They're going to do stuff at TCAF. So they've also pushed back, uh, the launch of, uh, Asterisk and oh, a- that's Asterisk right, in America. That's true. Uh, and, and by the way, just another, we should mention, uh, yeah. Who's note that Alberto Uderzo, the artist of Asterisk, yes. which is one of the world's most popular comics, yes. passed away at the age of 92. Yeah. Apparently not from coronavirus. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he had a long full life, but yeah, he died, uh, earlier this week. So, um, but then Asterix, uh, this is a huge comic in Europe. It's never really quite hit here in the United yeah. States. And there's a lot of problematic material in it that won't go over too yeah. well. Um, and, you know, Terry's, but, uh, and, Terry's publishing it. Um, she's, yeah. There's a new new, ver- new editions coming out. And Terry, yeah. that's yeah. all been delayed, though. It's all been, yeah. been delayed. Yep, yep, yep. Pushed back till the yeah. summer. You know, everything's pushed back to the summer. Uh, but we don't know where we'll know. So, uh, where we'll be in the summer. So, uh, psh, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, Calvin, there was some bad news coming out of Scholastic as well, correct? Well, yeah, it's Scholastic. And you know, this is, in, in some ways, this connect. Well, the bad news coming out of Scholastic is that they are instituting, as they say, temporary furloughs as well as, uh, layoffs. Now, right. um, um, some of this is basically going to be warehousing uh, and other stuff, but um, uh, uh, and they claim it's going to be temporary. Um, uh, I mean, I think you're going to see a, a a an explosion of activity, obviously, when we can come out of our houses. But right, right. now, oh yes, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's something. Now, at the same time. Uh, and the spokesperson at Scholastic told me that they are not slowing down any of the deliveries of their books. Mm-hmm. So, 
uh, all of that's going to continue. There, uh, the the fact of the matter is, and one of the things I'm doing over at Publishers Weekly, I'm doing it Publishers Weekly. It won't be in the comic section, but uh, I have a um, and and up a, a constantly updated listing of special offers, discounts, events that publishers are launching either to help retailers or to help readers or just to give you something to do while you're sheltered in place. So, right. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought there. I was going to make a point. Uh, well, there's things that people – listen, have you guys – there's one been big one big development in my life since the last time we talked, which is now I'm a Zoom, Zoom, Zoomer. Oh, you know? yes. <laughs> yes, everybody's Zooming. And, uh, you know, I have Zoom cocktail hour, Zoom so brunch, Zoom – yes, everybody's – and you know what? Zoom yoga, you know what? It's great. It uh, works I, – I, the platform works really well. So, yes, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I've been using – And there the- are – Oh, go on. I'm sorry. Can no, I'm just, saying, I'm just saying I've been using it too. Go on. Yeah. Oh, I, but, but I see a lot of comics pros are doing, you know, Zoom panels and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, to be fair to DC, because uh, they have announced that they will be doing daily content on their DC Universe yes. with creators. For and kids. they also did DC uh, Kids Camp, which is uh, material for kids who are at home. And you know what? I mean, that's really nice. I mean, I'm not trying to say DC hasn't done some good things. You know, obviously, they're in this with us. I, I yeah, None yeah. of this, like, people... You know, being crappy. It's just, you know, we yeah. don't know where we are. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's on my, on my listing too. I mean, DC, uh, DC Kids Camp, um, there's, uh, you know, uh, in fact, Euro Comics, the, uh, the coalition of the, the rights mm-hmm. and, and online retail site for Euro Comics, mm-hmm. they're, they've got a thing set up where you can, uh, read kind of half of about five or six of their great graphic novels. Um, uh, Silver Sprocket has put all of its web comics up. Open for open access. Uh-huh. Um, they've got hundreds over there. Paper Cuts has about five of its um, really popular comics that they're offering the first volume of the graphic novel series for free. Uh, so all of this stuff for people are pitching in trying to um, help out parents who are trapped in their apartments with the kids that they love. Yes, yes. And – uh, you know, it, there's, I think I'm sure I said this two weeks ago. Comics are not going to go away. No. There will be comics. There will be great comics. We're just going to reshuffle all the deck chairs. Yeah. And, uh, going to be very, uh, very different. Um, so Calvin, yes. uh, I understand that PW actually ran one of its annual features where the timing is pretty incredible. <laughs> yes, actually. Our annual comics retailing feature was, uh, was just published this week, um, written by um, uh, Shannon O'Leary. Um, in fact, uh, it's called A Look Inside the 21st Century Comic Shop. And uh, we had a great collection. Yeah, we do this. Once a year, we, um, I mean, we, we try to cover the retail market all year long, but we do a focus really as a book publishing industry. We really want to, this gives us an opportunity to really talk with the direct market. Um, I think we had about seven different stores, um, uh, among them, uh, Brian Hibbs and Comics Experience in San Francisco, Earth 2, uh, Forbidden Planet here in New York City, uh, Velocity Comics in, in Richmond, Virginia. And we also talk, with some um, general interest bookstores that have big graphic novel sections, you know, among them Powell's, um, which of course is going through its own uh, problems right now because of this. In fact, mm. Doug Chase, the graphic novel buyer there, uh, is featured in the story. Unfortunately, I think he's among um, the retailers that were laid off by Powell's. 
A lot of booksellers are doing this. So in some cases, this will give them uh, an opportunity to get um, unemployment insurance. Um, mm. uh, the, the retailers may not like it. But, uh, excuse me. The, the people laid off may not like it, but some retailers see this as a strategy. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is what's happening now. Uh, places that depend on people, uh, physical, uh, having a physical space, uh, they right. can't stay open. And, you know, uh, I want to say, like, uh, the, the, the deck on this story is customer comics retailers are embracing new titles, welcoming new readers, and shifting to a curatorial approach to stocking. Like, this story is so optimistic and happy, uh, you know, just before the meteor hit. Yeah, so. we, yes. This was just – and really, uh, she did most of her interviews in uh, January, February, and um, uh, maybe early March. And mm-hmm. this was well before – the impact in the U.S. Uh, of the mm-hmm. COVID-19. Now, we're actually, she's actually working on a follow-up for me right now, uh, mm-hmm. which I hope to get tomorrow where, um, so, you know, our, we'll have some update on the situation uh, of these stores that um, reported in there. But if you go to publishersweekly.com slash comics, uh, you can get a sense of what the mentality was pre-COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And I mean, I, it is I, obviously COVID-19 is going to take, you know, the starch out of everyone and kill a lot of things and, you know, damage a lot of things. But, you know, we were coming from a good place. And I, I'm very I'm, I'm I am optimistic, uh, maybe Pollyanna, poly positive that uh, we'll be back. You know, I, we will be, be back. back. I mean, it all might of us will take be back. a couple of years. Yeah, might gonna, take, You know, this is not. We're not going to snap back on Easter Sunday. You know, like no. he has risen. But it really is a question of getting past the next two to three months, um, mm-hmm. slowing down the rate of this infection, and um, and keeping people's stores on um, life support system, uh, so that we can open up and get people back in the stores buying shit because that's basically what america's all about buying stuff yeah. um, so uh i think we'll move on i had one more news item on here which was um which was the uh you know the events like you know that's where this began the the first thing to get shut down in in the industry was events and i mean yeah. in the book world indeed sure yeah, and, absolutely same here uh, book expo has been moved uh postponed until july the same week as san diego and yeah. which is unusual because the javits center has been turned into a temporary hospital uh, but you know they'll be able to get it cleaned up by then. It's well, funny because Reed insists that it's going on. And, yeah, I, and, I, I can yeah. say a few things about that if you want. But but um, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for those who may not know, I mean, Book Expo, uh, the you know, is the premier event of the, the book trade. It has become more and more important for comics publishers over the last few years, um, and including I do a panel that uh, mm-hmm. won't won't happen now, but. Um, the big five of American publishing, that's uh, Penguin Random House, Simon & Schuster, Macmillan, Hachette, HarperCollins, they have all pulled out of the rescheduled book expo. Um, it is only a matter of time before this show is canceled. Um, yeah. No one knows why um, Read Pop is continuing to do this. Uh, I'm sure they have their reason. But the notion that the Javits Center will be available for them to use in July – uh, when it is about nice. to be taken over with 2,000 hospital beds, I, I don't really get it. But that's yeah. where 
uh, it just doesn't seem that it, it's a viable it's it's a viable show at this point. Yeah. So just um uh, so on that note, uh, there was kind of a pretty big shocker, Rooney, this week. So one of the first shows to get canceled was the uh, Ace Comic Con Northeast, oh, yeah. which was held mm-hmm. to be held in Boston on March. Not in March. Uh, you, know, you know, it seems like maybe it was only to be held last week. I think it was so. in July, wasn't it? No, no, no? not no? July. No. no, no, okay. No, yeah. not July. Well, I thought it was a little further uh, out than March. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm saying it just got postponed. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they were mm-hmm. just about to have it. And, uh, oh, it was supposed, yeah, it was supposed to be, uh, the last weekend, March 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Oh, uh, so they uh, just filed the day after the show did not happen. They filed a lawsuit. And, uh, New York court, uh, accusing Grotix of stealing millions of dollars in refunds, which was supposed to have gone to the customers. Right. Now they announced the postponement probably two weeks ago, three weeks ago, about the same time when, you know, all these things were getting canceled. And the show is notable for having like Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah, uh, Tessa time. Thompson. Yeah. I mean, they have a huge, uh, Ewan McGregor, like they have a huge celebrity, but, uh, Grotix, is like show ticks. Uh, anyway, so Ace Comic Con is already suing Grotix. Now, Grotix is uh, part of a larger conglomerate. There are also show clicks. A lot of show, uh, the, the ticket sellers, like Grotix actually services the Fan Expo shows, which are huge, mm-hmm. Denver Comic Con, Salt Lake Comic Con, Planet Comic Con, like pretty much all the Comic Cons. And uh, Ace Comic Con is accusing them of stealing their money for the refunds. Yeah. So so Grotix fired back with a statement that was like, you know, we don't have the money. We sent you the money. Yeah. Why are you not giving us the money? And uh it emerged that they had sold two point nine million dollars in photo ops and autographs and so on and so forth. But uh like Ace Comic Con had only sent them six hundred eighty thousand yeah. dollars to do the refund. So, you know, they're Missing two hundred or two point two million dollars now. You know, I'm going to take a charitable. Uh, like a lot of the people I talked to were pretty shocked that Ace would sue Grotex, which is a real industry partner. You know, mm-hmm. and very well respected. And I mean, Ace Comic Con. I mean, their shows are huge. A lot of people love them. I'm not saying they're not respected as well, but um, you know, uh, according to a story by Rob Salkowitz, uh, talking to Pete. Uh, one of the VPs at Patreon, which owns all these companies, you know, insurance is balking against paying for a lot of these canceled events. And you can see why. So, you know, it, they're not set up for every freaking event everywhere to get shut down. At the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're starting. This is kind of the first thing I've seen that's sort of a – Walk, you know, day two, Fear the Walking Dead story, where we're starting to see kind of some, uh, I don't know, like hasty actions. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- th- these interviews for the comics retail took place in, in January and February. Uh, what's happening now is what, what has made that feature seem a little bit disconnected from reality um, because immediately after these interviews were done is when the the, uh, the new coronavirus uh, began spreading in the U.S. And since then, all of that has been 
you know, all of that optimism is kind of, you know, kind of encased in amber at the moment. Um, um, we are actually doing a, a follow-up to those retailers now to see what, what their situation is. And I'll have some more on that, but, you know, not until next week. So what, what do you suggest to our listeners if they want to support the comic industry? Well, they need to shop locally, you know? I mean, that's yeah. what everybody, well, but, you mean, know, that's what Marvel well, says too. Well, but, but Heidi, but Heidi, how can you shop locally right now? Well, if your retailer is or is offering mail order, I mean, some yes. store owners are going into their shops by themselves, not with their yes. with their employees, but they are going into the store by themselves, and they are shipping stuff out. Yeah. Yep. That now, is, is that going to last? I don't. I don't yeah. know. You know, I think we're entering the dark time right now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very bad. In New York City, you know, the three of us are unfortunately in the epicenter of it here where it's, you know, there are so many people I know who are sick who sound like they have it and they can't get tested. I'm sure both of you know people as well. But, you know, we are at the same time, the social distancing is working. So, you know, we're looking at, guess what? Four weeks, maybe we're going to have some changes. I would say, but I can would I, say at the very so, soonest. And and also to to Kate's point, because it's a good question. Yes, I mean many stores have uh, have uh, online uh, platforms too. They they have websites and they can sell to them. So uh, many of these stores, both independent bookstores and comics retailers, you know they're they're trying to keep this keep hope alive through their through their websites. In addition, in addition, there is a um, uh, there is a um, uh, uh, a group called the Book Industry Charitable Foundation. It's called Bink, and also there's a um, uh, an organization called a nonprofit called Forge Fund, which I think Heidi might know something about this as mm-hmm. well because this is a also a charitable foundation launch to support direct market retailers. Um, uh, Abrams and other publishers. Are uh, contributing uh, have made big contributions to Bink. Bink works in partnership with Forge to make sure that the direct market side of the bookseller uh, uh, ledger is taken care of as well. Um, fans can go to um, uh, well, there is you know what if you go to um, Publishers Weekly, you'll see my site, you'll see my story, and I have links. Uh, there's also a hashtag called Help a Bookseller. Hashtag help a bookseller benefit uh, that's raising money for retailers in the in the general trade and in the direct market and make a contribution. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. So there's a and also uh, the U.S. government just passed a what is it yes. two trillion dollar uh, not bailout what are they calling Re- relief fund yeah, stimulus I, I, package okay. stimulus stimulus so some small businesses may be eligible for this especially Absolutely. if you have an employee you're going to get like a loan Absolutely. you kind of never have to pay back so yeah, it's a good true. deal and in some uh, cases if people uh, businesses who have laid per, uh, people off can rehire them mm-hmm. and yeah. at no penalty and be eligible for these benefits as well yeah now, I, as me, as a business owner, small business owner, but I'm kind of the sole employee. I just have contractors, so I don't know what I'm eligible for. But um, you know, well, well, hopefully, I think there are provisions for uh, the gig economy for yes. you to, at the very least, get that. Um, uh, there's a payment that's supposed to go out. A check's supposed to go out to everybody, you know, mm-hmm. under a certain income level. So I think even gig workers. 
can get that. Freelance workers. Can well, get I would that. hope that they would because yeah. they're the Because they horribly. need money too. <laughs> they do. So there, there are efforts out there to make sure, in addition to obviously just the business advantages and business discounts that people are handing out, but there are, you know, uh, ways that are, they're trying to get grants directly so, to retailers. Yeah. So, uh, I will say, um, you know, we're recording this on Thursday. By the Friday when you're listening to this, everything might have changed in even in the comics sure. industry. We do not know what is going to happen next week. Uh, there is product that has been shipped, uh, that has been printed. Uh, it was probably just going to sit either at the printer or at Diamond's Warehouse. It will be received, just shipped. Um, sit there we don't know what's going to go out digitally i mean a lot by the time you hear from us again a lot will have happened yeah yeah um but in the uh, so in the meantime uh if you want another window into the world that was of only you know three four weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, we have uh, my interview with James Tinian about Punchline, which is, keeps getting pushed back. But guess what? It's a good interview, and I think some of these Punchline comics are going to come out. So, you know, uh, here's something to look forward to one way or the other. So, All right, great. So, yeah. Kate? Well, I mean, why don't we talk about, you know, how people can continue to enjoy comics in the meanwhile, well, I'll tell you why. Because we're, at, we're at thirty-six minutes, and we vowed we were going to keep this short, so we yeah. could put on the other the other thing. And guess what? I think we'll have lots to talk about next week. Yeah. And topic. Hi, welcome back to more to come. Heidi McDonald still at CTE two, and now I'm talking to James Tinian the fourth. <laughs> hey, Heidi, how's it going? That's good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So, uh, James, let's just cut right to the punchline here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you are uh, the man behind the hottest thing in comics right now. Uh, punchline, <laughs> the new hench person, girlfriend. Uh, what is punchline? Uh, I mean, I've been referring to her as Joker's new number two. Okay. And, uh, you know, just because I think she would have a different answer to that question than Joker would have. To, but Joker would have a different answer to that question to anyone, and it would be whatever answer makes uh, that person the most uncomfortable right. at that given moment. Right. So, uh, honestly, it's... Uh, it's wild. The last few weeks have been absolutely wild. Uh, just seeing the response to this character, not only in terms of just comic speculators and people racing into the comic shops and all of that, but the, just the fact that, uh, I've been seeing dozens of people already cosplaying her. Uh, I've been seeing tons of fan art coming in. It's one of those things where it's just like, I knew that there was something special in the core idea when we started putting her together. Uh, like she came out of pure necessity mm -hmm. in the story. I, I was built. I'm building a huge Joker story that's going to launch in May called Joker War, and I needed Joker to have a number two. <laughs> you needed more people for the yeah, war. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, and basic. I needed someone who would like command Joker's troops. Mm -hmm. I needed. Uh, 
you know, and that's a role that, you know, back in the day was filled by Harley Quinn. And, uh, but I know I like Harley Quinn's taken. Like mm-hmm. I get, I couldn't, uh, you know, then she has evolved so much as a character. You could never regress her back to right. that point because it would be insulting to the character and the fans of that character. Uh, and that wasn't something I was ever really considering. So I knew we had to create some, somebody new. And, uh, I started pulling together the ideas of how do you create a new number two for the Joker who would be compelling in her own right. And, uh, then, uh, and I took all of these like random ideas, these bits and pieces, and I was going in wrong directions with some of them. I had all these contradictory elements that I was throwing at Jorge Jimenez, and then he came back with this design that was just like, okay, that's cool. Right. That's really cool. Like, this is a character who uh, I want to know more about, who I want to have a statue of, who I want to, <laughs> like, you know, like, see on covers and okay. see in the story. And it's just, the thing that's interesting, I think, with her is just, like, you see her as a character and you immediately want to know what sort of relationship does she have with the Joker? What does she think of Batman? How would Harley Quinn react when they are in the room for the first time? How do, like... She creates a question of what is now possible to every element of the story moving forward mm-hmm. because it's not just it's not just going to be the same old battle between Batman and the Joker that it's been before. Uh, and I think people who know my work, particularly my work in superheroes, know that I tend to write ensemble books. Mm-hmm. I tend to, you know, I'm known for writing team books. And uh, even in Batman, which Batman is the main character of my Batman run, I have a big cast that I'm playing with. And rather than play with the typical supporting cast of Gotham, which is usually the Bat family and the Robins and Batgirl, I wanted to play with the villains Mm. in this story. I wanted to play... Uh, Riddler off the Penguin and and Catwoman, who is no longer a villain but used to be a part of that club. And I wanted to, uh, you know, throw some chaotic elements into the mix. And so having all of these, like, iconic, incredible characters who have these defined personalities and bringing them together and then creating a new character who would have a who would change the dynamic of each of those relationships is just really, really exciting. Yeah. Um, I mean, just to back up a little bit, I mean, you took over as the solo writer for, for Batman, right? Just yeah. a couple months ago. Yes. And I mean, it was announced probably over the fall. I yeah, think. I think yeah. it was Batman Day in September. Yes, that's right. And, um, I mean, you probably knew about it longer than that, but, um, you know, I mean, that's heavy years that lies the crown. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a big gig. What did you do, like, mentally to prepare for that? I mean, not only, like, having to write the stories, because you certainly worked with Scott on a lot of stories, but, you know, I mean, in, in, in the world of comics, yeah, there's a lot of, you know... No, it's uh, it, was, it was honestly huge. And I... The first thing I did, which is the first thing I do a lot of times when I'm given an opportunity like this, is I just wrote down all of my ideas, all of my big, crazy ideas that I knew half of which I would never get to, to do... Uh, but I wanted to have a kind of core guiding philosophy for the series. And the biggest thing that I wanted to do was create, was sort of nail down what I wanted the tone of the book to be, uh, which I defined very quickly as action horror. Uh, I am known for outside of my DC work as a bit of a horror writer. Mm-hmm. And I, one of my other uh, series running right now is a book called Something is Killing the Children uh, at Boom Studios, which is straight up, you know, Stephen King uh, style horror. And 
wanted to do something uh, that brought those kind of scary elements into Gotham City because I think Gotham is always best when it has tinges of horror like looking all the way back to Tim Burton like the first images of Batman I ever saw were the Tim Burton movies as a kid and those and then that into the animated series all of that took horror imagery and uh and really blended it into into the mythos so I've always seen Batman as a horror character and then the action I wanted to I wanted every issue to just be high octane and, you know, I, I've very rarely showed the characters out of their costumes in the run and I'm sort of pulling against a lot of the, the tropes that I've, I've played with before mm-hmm. where I, you know, I, I've had entire issues of detective comics with characters out of costume, just sort of having like emotional conversations <laughs> what with each they other. Call that the bottle episode. Yeah, right? ex- yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I wanted to do something that delivered like real cool shit mm-hmm. <laughs> every every issue that I could manage and create new vehicles create and really and use all of that to kind of reflect the mental state of Batman because this is an incredibly interesting moment t- t- in time for Batman as a character because Alfred Pennyworth is dead mm-hmm. uh, and that changes the entire uh, the entire mission in Gotham City uh, because I think the the thing that's been tying Bruce to Gotham more than anything uh, since he came back from uh, his training all around the world has been Alfred. Alfred mm-hmm. is the is still the core piece of family. Was the core piece of family that was tying him to his life before his parents were shot in the alley, and now that's gone. And we have a kind of untethered Batman who's going through uh, really deep and dark emotions. And then we have his characters coming at him. Uh, having his like most ferocious villains coming at him with uh, abject horror and he needs to face it and I wanted to get at that darkness but I also wanted it to be fun every step of the so way. So your run is not going to be Batman's happy day. No, it is. <laughs> but it is something Nobody's where, ever is by no, the way. No, but but at the same time I like that's why I'm like I challenged myself in the first like five issues. I'm pretty sure I introduce a new Batman vehicle in every single <laughs> issue because I want it. If if I'm going to be dealing with those types of dark emotions, I still want to make a book that people want to pick up every two weeks. Yeah, but I I guess you know even with Punchline, I mean, did you think that it that she would have this kind of impact? Did you dream that it would really just? I mean, she hasn't even appeared yet. Yeah, no, which I, is. Like, yeah. Also, some controversy there, but yeah, she hasn't really even come out yet. Yeah, I mean, that's the like, honestly, that's the that's been the fun. Like, it's I know I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it at all. Honestly, uh, I created a character that I thought was very cool, and then Jorge did an amazing, amazing yeah. design for that character. Who, which I was immediately super excited. Like when I got that design, I sent it to all my friends because I was just like, "This is the coolest thing ever!" I'm so excited for what I'm, what we're building here. Uh, and then it was exciting enough that you know I had Joker with henchmen in Hell Arisen, and I was just like, "You know what? I'm gonna plug, plug this character <laughs> in here." And uh, you know that was uh, like it wasn't. I think there, there there's uh, you know some people who make who think of everything as a bit more conspiratorial mm-hmm. when a lot of times it's just like, yeah. oh, this is a cool thing and I like it, so I'm going to put it, every, like, you know, and I wanted the, my, the Joker appearance in Hell Arisen to tie into me writing the Joker in Batman. So mm-hmm. I wanted a thread that pointed in that yeah. direction too. 
So it was just like, it was a natural fit for me. Right. And, uh, yeah, no. But I mean, for just listeners, if in case anybody's listening to this as we're speaking, um, there's been a huge, like, speculator market. Like, people yeah. are paying 50 bucks for this issue on eBay. And actually, one of my writers for The Beat, who's a retailer, was actually talking about the difficulty of having these kind of, like, you know, speculator issues and, um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's taken on a life of its own, hasn't yeah. it? No, and, and honestly, there's, uh, I think there's always fear in a speculator moment that we're dealing with a character that, like, the market is getting excited about a character who won't pay off in the story. Mm-hmm. And I know the answer to that question. I know she pays off. I know, mm-hmm. I, uh, like, the ideas behind a character are the things that make me excited about the character. So, uh, and then on top of that, the thing that makes me, makes me think that this is different is the, seeing the cosplayers and seeing the fan art. Right. Because it isn't just people abstractly thinking about, like, is this a character who might show up in other media someday? Right. Which I hope, I would love, I would love her to. <laughs> right. Uh, but the, it is, this is a character who the simple idea of, uh, has people excited about the uh, story potential, mm-hmm. and that's, uh, that, yeah, that's well, exciting. it is. Um, so, just a little segue, but but uh, but it is a little bit germane. Did you see Birds of Prey? Yes, uh, I did. Yeah, Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey, which I'm sorry, it's a way better title. <laughs> um, but that movie was so delightful. Yes, right. I mean, yeah. uh, and I mean, I'm sure on video it's going to have this life. It's going to become a cult film that people are going to really love and watch and talk about and quote because it's watchable and quotable. Um, and you know, Harley Quinn is such an incredible character. And she was started as this Bruce Tim, um, Paul Dini, you know, Joker's girlfriend. Yeah. It's kind of was this little problematic by today's standards, I guess. Um, but, like, the evolution of Harley Quinn has really captured people's imaginations as well, and, you know, especially young women, of course, who are fans. And I guess, like, the idea of having, you know, punchline, like a new woman in Joker's life, also, yeah, great name. Thank you. I mean, whoever <laughs> came up with that, you nailed it. Okay, so Thank I got to say, like, you know, she wasn't the laughinator or, yeah, the, yeah. you know, like Stone Cold or, <laughs> you know, like you did you did. Well, you're good. giving me some great names. <laughs> okay, all right. So, well, anytime. But Punchline is an amazing name for this character. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's also just part of, I mean, like Harley has become such a seminal yeah. part of our world. World, you know, and the fandom world. There's so many Harleys out there to, at the show. So I think, you know, like like the idea just of the Joker being in a relationship again. Yeah. It's kind of like you know, um, uh, you know, like uh, Gossip Girl <laughs> or yeah. something. Or Riverdale. I mean, it's like one of these soap operas. It's like, wow, what's going to happen this time? Well, and I think that's exactly it. And I think there's a, you know, at this point we have to factor in the fandom of these characters and the the. The fact that a lot of people take the raw essence of these characters and then just build lives for the, them on their own. And introducing a new character that people want to pull into their own uh, ideas about, you know, how, like, all of these dynamics and play off of in their own fan art and fan fiction and all of it. You know, I complete, I, I love that. I love that world and I love that aspect of, uh, you know, of superhero fandom mm-hmm. in particular. And this is, uh, you know, I, my goal is to make a character who makes a lasting impact and, uh, can, 
you know, stick around in the DC universe. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, we'll see over the next... Uh, the next right. little bit. Right. How well a job I did. Oh, well, you know, you just said something so interesting, and we are running out of time, so we're not going to have time to explore this. But, um, you know, you said as a writer, you take fandom into account. And, I, I mean, I would have to say writing Batman, probably, if you don't do that, you're not going to you're gonna run into trouble. Completely. Yeah. Um, I mean, you did mention your other book, which, uh, you know, Something is Killing the Children. And is it refreshing? Is it fun to be able to write the story that's just your story and then not really worry about, you know, like there isn't <laughs> a 80 years of fans for this story and, you know, you kind of yeah. just call the shots? I mean, they all stretch different muscles. But honestly, it's funny you say that because Something is Killing the Children has a kind of core iconic character that has been one of the most fun aspects of that book to build uh, where it is a character that I have people, uh, you know, getting commissions of other artists mm-hmm. drawing that character. Uh, there are cosplayers of that character. So it's just like the fact that even in there, any time people take characters that I've had a hand in creating and they, you know, carry them forward and, uh, you know, have a life of their own, uh, it's incredible. Right. And, uh I remember being that person on Tumblr in uh, <laughs> college for me and message boards before that and having my own head cannons and all of that stuff. So, uh, you know, I always try to like, I always try to take it with a grain of salt when they're angry at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> the, you know, I, I'm very affectionate to the ones who, uh, take what I, uh, uh, you know, Take what I've built and run with it. Uh, that's great. Just one last question. I mean, how how's C2E2 for you? How's the show? It's great. I mean, I'm I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, oh. so this is it. Really, as close as I get to a hometown show. Right. And uh, you know, it's great to be back in the Midwest. Yeah, it's 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 a great show. Well, James, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Good luck with Punchline and everything else, and, and with that Joker War. All right. Thank you. And there's going to be more to come on that. All right. <laughs> Well, we finally managed to fit this interview in. I know it's a little late, but um, blast from the past, guys. Yep. yep. Wasn't that – what a fun time that was. Yeah. Little well, you know what I else I, I'll say that, 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 that the um, the Punchline comics are actually mentioned in um, uh, in our comics retailing feature. Uh, I, uh-huh. I, I'm going to leave it at that. You can uh, go to publishersweekly.com slash comics. Uh, and read about the wonderful world of comics that it used to be uh, four weeks ago. Yeah, and we'll be again. <laughs> and we'll uh, be know, again. Yeah, and we'll be, be again. again. So, well, there will be comics. Well, there will be comics. It's not, you know, like what's a, the uncertainty of fear and uncertainty is not pleasant. But, um, I mean, something will be – when a year from now, we'll have something to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? You know, you know what I'm saying, right? Oh, yeah. There will be more to come.